Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Hello, Cove Church family. My name is Chris Hansler. I'm the Regional Executive Director for Pacific Open Bible, and it is really an honor for me to be here with you, uh, to be able to share the Word of God. I'm grateful for your staff, your team, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Paula, love them. I'm so grateful for the partnership of Cove Church and Pacific Open Bible. Uh, I know we have some Discover students among us, and I know you work with our church planting, and it's just a pleasure to do this together. I believe God wants us to flourish, and I believe the best way that that happens is we flourish together when we're serving together. So it's an honor for me to be here. In my neighborhood, a couple of years ago, there was a fire, and the only way in and out of my neighborhood, there's just one way in and out, uh, one road. You can go in and out that way. And the fire was uh, threatening to block off that way in and out. And we were under a beginning of an evacuation warning. Th- thankfully, we never had to evacuate. But right next door to me, my neighbor uh, is a firefighter. He also worked in emergency management with the University of Washington. Go Huskies. Um, but he, uh, he is a firefighter as well. And I, we just got to talking when this fire was happening. And I asked him the question, I said, Barry, what, what was the reason you decided to be a firefighter? I mean, you place yourself right in the middle of the danger uh, and you go right into the chaos, right into the fire. What's the reason for that? Did you always want to do that as a kid or was there people in your family did that? And he said, you know, he said, no, I, I, I just wanted to help people. He said, I wanted to help them keep their property. And he said, I just, I wanted to do something that could save lives. And I remember thinking about that. And I remember thinking, you know, he goes into the chaos to save lives. And I don't think that's a lot different than the calling of those who are followers of Christ, to go into the chaos to see lives saved. God fills us with his spirit. He gives us his calling and the courage and the power to enter into the chaos to save lives. In the very beginning of scripture, in Genesis chapter one, the very first words of of the Bible, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of those waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. In the message translation of the description of earth in the, you know, in this early passage of scripture, it says it this way. And the earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness. That's how it's described. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. So I have this picture, this, I imagine this just deep fog, this dark fog that's covering. It's formless, it's chaos, there's no apparent order. And then we see in the scripture, it says the spirit of God is hovering over the surface of the waters. The spirit is hovering. There he is. There he is in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the darkness, hovering, getting ready to do something amazing, something creative, something beautiful, something good. And God said, and God said, you see, when the spirit of God is hovering and God speaks, something great is about to happen. When the Spirit of God is hovering and God speaks, something great is about to happen. God says, let there be light, 
and there was light. It was familiar in that day in times of empires and kings. A king would say, bring me grapes. And there were grapes. You know, let somebody dance and somebody danced. God says, let there be light. He had that authority that at the breath of his voice, light, there was light. And he turned disorder into beauty. He, he, he brought beauty to this soup of nothingness. The story goes on, of course. God creates uh, the heavens and the, and the seas and the moon and the stars and every step along the way, the vegetation and the animals. He says it's good. And then he gets to the pinnacle of his creation in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. And it says, so God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. What God is saying here is, listen, Adam and Eve, listen, humanity, here's what I want you to do. I have started this beautiful creation and I've called it good, but I want you to partner with me. I want you to come alongside of me and I want you to multiply what I have begun. I want you to continue to partner with me to see this flourish. I want everything you touch to continue to expand. I want I want to see communities continue to grow. I want fruit to be produced on these trees that I've created. And I want you to work with me to help everything to flourish. Of course, then sin enters the picture, bringing consequences of pain and disorder, distorting the image of God in us and bringing this chaos and ultimately death into the picture of this beautiful creation. But still, all along the way, all through scripture, we see example after example where the spirit of God is hovering. God speaks and beautiful things happen. We see it in the exodus of God's people when Moses is leading the people out of slavery and time after time, the spirit of God is going ahead of them. God speaks and miraculous things happen to lead them into the path toward their land of promise. We see it when God's people were under the heavy hand of Babylon, this foreign nation. And Daniel, the, the spokesperson for God at that moment, interprets the king's dream, Nebuchadnezzar's dream. The spirit of God was hovering through Daniel's life. God spoke through him and something great was happening. We see it when the angel visits Joseph in that first Christmas morning. After centuries of silence, when the hope of a savior seemed distant, they had been waiting and waiting, God's people had, for the savior who had come, but it had been hundreds of years of silence, and so their hope was waning and it was diminished. And he says, the angel does to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. The spirit of God was hovering. God speaks to Joseph. And then of course, through the life of Jesus, the way he touched people, the way he taught people, the way he loved people, the way he brought people in who the religious world had cast out, the way Jesus brought the kingdom realities into a very broken, chaotic world. Beautiful, amazing, great things were happening. Then of course, Jesus ultimate, gave the ultimate display of love as he gave his life on the cross to pay for our sin, rose again, resurrected to give us the hope of defeat of death and new life. 
So we see this throughout the scripture, the spirit of God hovering, God speaking and amazing things happening. And then of course we see it again in the book of Acts. Jesus had been crucified. Jesus had risen and now he had ascended. The disciples, the followers of Jesus had watched him be crucified. They were, they were brokenhearted by that. Then they see him resurrected and they're amazed by that. And then they watched him ascend to heaven and they're bewildered by that. And for the vast majority of the known world, Jesus was just another flash in the pan who came on the scene, fizzled out, just like all the others before him. God's people were still under oppressive Roman rule. Religious pluralism and immorality was rampant in the society at the time. And the splattering of Jesus' faithful followers overwhelmed by his resurrection and trying to wrap their mind around it. And now, as as I said, bewildered by this ascension, watching Jesus go back up to the Father. They were left in their own minds to fend for themselves, or so they thought. It was a chaotic time. But Jesus had told them to go to this room on the day of Pentecost and wait. Because he would be While he would be gone, he would send his Holy Spirit to be with them. And so, in obedience to Jesus, they went. They went to this upper room, they waited, and they prayed. And when they were all together in that place, after waiting for the promised Spirit, the Spirit of God was hovering, and God spoke, and something great was happening. There's this sound like a rushing wind, indescribable. They see what appeared to be flames of fire resting on the heads of people. I'm not sure exactly what that looked like, but that's how it was described. And he empowers them, the Holy Spirit does, to speak and listen and understand one another. They were able to speak languages they'd not learned, different dialects and languages. We're hearing them speak in their own native tongue the wonderful things that God had done. This was a miraculous incredible worship service, unlike anything they'd ever seen before. This power of the Spirit creates this beautiful sense of community among them where they're sharing with each other and when they're serving one another and laying down their lives for one another. It was this beautiful, supernatural fellowship and community. But we can't forget the purpose of the power of the Holy Spirit that came to allow us to enter into the chaos, to see lives saved and transformed. We can't forget that the reason God gives us his Holy Spirit, still today, the same Holy Spirit that he gave to them on the day of Pentecost, the same spirit that was hovering at that first day of creation, the reason God gives us his Holy Spirit is to empower us to accomplish the mission of God that he set us on, the purpose for which he created us. What happens next in this story in the book of Acts? Peter stands up in the power of God's spirit and just beautifully lays out the gospel to a hungry crowd, the good news of Jesus. He tells them all about Jesus. He tells them that Jesus was the savior that they had been waiting for all this time. He tells them that Jesus died on the cross for their sins and that he rose again to give them victory and to give them life and to give them purpose. He tells them that that what they were experiencing, that this Holy Spirit, this rushing wind, this flames of fire, all this miraculous things that are happening, he tells them that what they were experiencing was the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised he would send. 
And then in Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 41, it says this, and the peop- when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. What he's saying here is this promised spirit, this this spirit that you're experiencing, this power, this supernatural service that you're experiencing, he said, that's for you and it's for your kids and it's for your kids' kids and their kids and that's us today. And I just want to pause here for just a moment because when they asked Peter the question, what should we do? Peter's response was repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And maybe you're in a spot in your life right now. You're just thinking about your own life and you're thinking about the chaos maybe that's going on right now. Maybe not externally, but maybe internally. You're just wondering about your own purpose and your own reason and and, and what you're doing and, and your own mission, your own life. You're looking at it and you're thinking, what should I do? And maybe the answer you need to hear is the same answer they heard from Peter. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. Listen, God might be just calling you to himself to find the purpose that he initially designed us for to partner with him to cause everything around us to flourish, including our own lives. So maybe that's you right now. Maybe it's a a moment you just need to say, yes, God, I need to just turn to you. I need to ask your forgiveness for my sins and give my life to you. The scripture goes on. It says in verse 40, with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number in that day. What a response. What a miraculous time this was. That while the societal chaos, what's happening here, while they were still under the oppressive Roman rule, that was still all happening. And while the societal chaos may continue, God enters into our personal, internal chaos. The Holy Spirit speaks and turns their chaos into something beautiful. The life God intended them to have all along. He gives them purpose, gives their life depth and meaning. If you really think about it, Really think about it. When somebody says yes to Jesus, it's kind of crazy what's happening there because it's, it's amazing that so often people will yield the entire lordship of their life <laughs> to someone on so little information. And I've seen it happen hundreds and hundreds of times, maybe thousands of times. Do you want to give your life to Jesus? Yes! Do you know what that will mean for the rest of your life? I have no idea. And that's what happens. And why does that happen? How does that possibly happen? It's because in the midst of our chaos, in the midst of their chaos, the Holy Spirit is hovering and God speaks. And we know something great is about to happen. This moment in the book of Acts, in the beginning of the church was the start of a shift that changed the trajectory of our world. God's spirit working through God's people 
to bring transformation to entire cultures and societies. I know that we too want to see change in our world. We want to see change in our country. We want to see change in our communities. We want to see this kind of change happen. And I hope we want to see this kind of change happen. And I have no question that God wants us to flourish and he wants our communities to flourish. But maybe, just maybe, it needs to start with how we love one another. Maybe it needs to start with how we love just the neighbor next door. Maybe it begins with a willingness to respond to the prompting of God's Holy Spirit when he's hovering, to lay our lives down, to lay our need to be right down, to be in and among our neighbors, to bless them and to show them the unconditional love of Jesus. To my own regret, too often as a pastor, I, I, I've been a pastor for 37 years. <laughs> and too often as a pastor, I have extracted myself from the very mission field that God has called me to. I say that to my own regret. And, and it's not that I wasn't serving. It's not that I don't serve. It's not that I wasn't participating. I was pastoring the people and loving them and counseling and preaching and worshiping with them. That's all true. But sometimes we can get so entrenched in the church world. And believe me, I, I believe in the church. I believe we should be serving in the church. I believe we should be coming to church, attending church. I believe we should be involved in church. After all, I'm the regional director for churches. <laughs> That's what I do. So I believe in the church, don't get me wrong, but so often we can get so entrenched in the church world and in all of the stuff of ministry and, and, and be around, isolated around people who just see things like us and believe like us and that we can lose touch with our personal calling to our neighbors who maybe see life a little differently. And we've extracted ourselves from the very mission field that God calls us to. See, I, I believe proximity to people different than us is really important. I think, I think being in relationship with people who see the world through a different lens than us, who maybe have different values than us and maybe have a different belief system or maybe are raised in a different culture, I think proximity and relationship with people in those kind of settings is really important because what it does is it gives us greater understanding. It gives us greater empathy. It gives us greater perspective. You see, if we isolate ourselves around people who just see the things the same way we do, we do then we, what can happen is now we start getting mad at all of the things that are happening in our world. And we just, we're just angry at people and we're mad. How come they think that way? Or how come they see things that way? How come they're so wrong? How come they have that political opinion? Or how come they have that value? Or whatever it is, we get mad. And then what happens is rather than having a conversation and listening, we just launch ideological or theological truth bombs. And it's just not real helpful. But if we would just get face to face and be in relationship with people, maybe we have greater understanding. Maybe we have greater perspective. Maybe we have greater empathy and a greater capacity to be able to share and live out this gospel good news in front of people who desperately need it. And maybe we would have a bigger picture of the gospel if we could get some perspective that way. So I, uh, as I said, to my own regret, I had extracted myself and I, I got sort of isolated. I just round people who were all Christians and all church people. And I love those people, but I had, I had lost relationship with people who are outside the church. Now, my wife was always really good at it. 
Um, my wife would meet people out in the community and in her workplace and out in the gym and she'd have these relationships and she was great at sharing the gospel and embodying the gospel in those places. But I had got kind of isolated and I realized it. So we made a decision about 10 years ago or so and we said, let's, let's, just, let's just get, I just need to get out in the community. I just want to be somewhere where I can just bless people and just hear and listen and understand a little better. So we just decided we're going to pick a restaurant and we're going to start going there every Sunday night. So her and I did. We picked this pizza restaurant that's close to our house. We started going the same time every Sunday night, the same place. And the purpose we went was not because we liked their food so much, but because we just wanted to bless the workers there. We decided we're going to be there long term. We just want to meet the workers, hear their stories, and just be a blessing to them. So we went, we sat in the same place. We sat on the sort of the bar side of this restaurant. They had a little fire table and we sat around the fire table, sat in the same place pretty much every Sunday night, six o'clock. In fact, we called that our small group. Now they didn't know they were our small group, but for us, that was our small group. And so we went and we started meeting all the workers. We met Aaron, this free-spirited young lady, the first person we met, just extroverted, uh, willing to talk. Uh, we got to hear her story. We got, we got to learn all about all of her various adventures and, and ideas and, and all of her boyfriends. And we learned about the one she had and then she broke that one off and had another one. We, we got to know her story. We got to meet Ra Raquel, who initially was one of the worker servers there. Then she became a manager. We got to celebrate with her. We would, on holidays, we'd bring them gifts for Christmas. We'd celebrate their birthdays. We just went every Sunday night. We got to know them. We got to know all the workers. We got to know all of the cooks. We got to know the bartenders. We got to know everybody there because we were just there all the time. In fact, we got to know some of the other people who came on Sunday nights to that place and we got to be friends with them. And it was just, it was incredible. We started to hear uh, their story. Now, I never told them that I was a pastor because as soon as you tell somebody you're a pastor, all of the conversation changes. All of a sudden, they have a, an uncle somewhere that's a pastor, was a pastor somewhere, and they attend their church, but they can't remember the name of it. And, you know, it, all the dynamics change. So, so we never told them that I was a pastor. We just, we just wanted it to be authentic, and we wanted to hear their story, and we just wanted to listen. And we were there one Sunday night and, and we were, um, the, it was close to the time we were getting ready to leave. There's hardly anybody there. And the bartender, his name was Jonathan, comes out from behind the bar and he sits down at the fire table right next to Lisa and I. He said, hey, can I talk to you guys for a minute? I said, sure, what's going on? He said, well, I'm going through some problems in my marriage. And he said, I just, I just need some perspective. He, can I, I just need somebody to talk to about it. And so we sat there and for 45 minutes, we listened to Jonathan talk about what's going on in his marriage. We got to offer a little bit of, uh, perspective and counsel. And at the end of that, I said, Jonathan, listen, I said, Lisa and I, I don't know what you think about this, but Lisa and I believe in the power of prayer. And would you just mind if, if we prayed for you? So we prayed for Jonathan, the bartender right there in the bar uh, around the fire table. We got to pray for him and he was weeping and we're praying. And at the end of that, I said, listen, Jonathan, you, you probably don't know this, but I'm a pastor. We have some resources. If there's anything I can do. And he said, Oh, I know you're a pastor. Everybody here knows you're a pastor. So, so the secret we thought we were holding pretty tight, the secret was out and, and I wasn't as sneaky as I thought. But I just thought, you know, what an opportunity. Another, another young uh, a lady that, that was one of the servers in the restaurant, when my wife was going through her cancer treatment, she was losing her hair and she was losing her eyelashes. And this young lady knew how to do that kind of makeup. And she came to our house. She brought us dinner. She was another one of the bartenders. She brought us dinner. She helped Lisa put on, showed her how to put on the eyelashes. Um, and she ministered to us where we went to be a blessing. And now she's ministering to us. 
And then about two months ago, I had posted, a, I made a, a social media post about my wife. Now, you may not know, but I lost my wife in February um, uh, unexpectedly to breast cancer. And so I had made a post about my wife on social media. And the very first person we met at that restaurant, when we decided to just get out back into, the, into our neighborhood, her name is Erin. She, she wrote this post on my, face, on, my, uh, on my Facebook post. She said this. Now, this is a young lady who didn't know Jesus when we met her, and we didn't know her at all. But here's what Aaron said. She said, you two touched the community everywhere you went, a force to be reckoned with. Very special people, if I've ever seen one. Lisa would help me year after year, regardless if we saw each other. A true mama bear, lover, friend for life and giver. This is your love still continuing on and transcending death. Lisa showed us all how great humans can be and how much they can achieve in a life. She impacted so many and really showed in every action what true love is for all humans. It was obvious on day one of meeting you two, you guys were some kind of amazing. I wish we could all take away your pain. Hugs to you and your children. May we continue to all pray over your family and this devastating loss, keep reaching out if you need it. You've given so much to the community, no problem sending that love back right to you. This is the young lady, the first one we met. And listen, I don't share that for pats on the back or for any kind of applause. Look how what we did. It was a reminder to me of how easily we can lose sight of our mission. That God calls us into the chaos. That God allowed us to be in the midst of Jonathan, the bartender's chaos. The spirit of God was hovering and God was able to speak to him. That God calls us into the chaos and there the spirit is hovering. God speaks and lives can be changed. Listen, the shift in Acts chapter two that happened from, was it went from the spirit hovering out there. Before this, before Acts two, the spirit of God was hovering and God would speak through one of his chosen people and then great things would happen. But the shift in Acts two went from the spirit hovering out there to the spirit hovering in here, in us. See, the Spirit of God will often take you out of your comfort zone and into the lives of others. And He now is hovering in those lives of others through you. You're the person through which the Spirit of God is hovering because He wants to speak through your life. He believes in you and the Spirit, He's placed the Spirit of God inside of you. And now the Spirit of God is hovering through your life to touch other people everywhere you go. We can't run from the chaos. God wants us in the chaos. God does not abandon the chaos. Sometimes our temptation is to just isolate, you know, avoid the very appearance of evil or, or uh, uh, you know, come out from among them and be separate. And I understand that that's all kind of some of our, our roots, our holiness roots, but Jesus came from the comforts of heaven and he placed himself right into our neighborhood and he got into our chaos because he wanted to share the good news. God doesn't abandon the chaos and he gives us his spirit to give us the calling and the courage to bring beauty and hope and life in the midst of it, to bring beauty to a soup of nothingness. What makes a person who might otherwise make maybe a lot of money in a chosen career path forsake that to give themselves to a calling of ministry? It might be perhaps the attractiveness of a particular community, or it might be a persuasive and charismatic message that convinced them. But when everything gets chaotic and they feel like giving up, and there's been a lot of that the last couple of years, 
and everything gets chaotic and they feel like giving up, it'll be the word of God spoke to them by the power of the Holy Spirit that holds them and keeps them through that time. What is it when you experience difficulty, when you experience rejection, when you experience maybe unimaginable pain or unforeseen loss, what is it that keeps you going and causes you to hold on to your faith in Jesus? It is the reminder that at some point in the midst of the chaos, the Holy Spirit was hovering in your life and God spoke to you and he reminds you of his love for you. And he reminds you that he is still there. He reminds you that he will never leave you and that he will never forsake you and that you still have a future and a hope. See, the spirit of God, I believe, is hovering and God is speaking and he wants to do something great in your life. So how should we respond? Let me give you three ways. First of all, do you feel the pull? Maybe you feel this drawing to say yes to Jesus today. Maybe you've, maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never entered into that relationship with Jesus. Maybe your life has just been a series of chaos. Or maybe it's not, maybe it's just internal chaos. Maybe everything out on the outside looks good, but you know internally there's chaos. And Jesus is calling you to himself and calling you to a bigger purpose. And that is the purpose for which he intended you to partner with him. He'll forgive you of your sin and get you back on a path to life again. If you feel the pull to say yes to Jesus, say yes to Jesus. Because God's spirit is drawing you into relationship with him. Secondly, are you tired? Maybe you, need a, maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but maybe you need a fresh filling of the spirit of God today. Maybe you're just tired and maybe you're just worn out. It's always tough to be in the chaos and we can be doing all of the right things and just be tired. And the reason is because we're human. <laughs> Fatigue, exhaustion. It's not a sign of God's disfavor necessarily. And I would say probably usually it isn't a sign of a lack of spirituality. It may be you've just been in the battle for a while, but it's even tougher when we're trying to do it on our own strength. So maybe you just need a fresh filling of the spirit. You need his strength. You need his power working through you. See, I believe in good habits. I believe in strong systems. I believe in discipline. I believe in ministry involvement. All of that is good. But what will make the good and the strong and the involved have supernatural and eternal results is the power of this Holy Spirit. So maybe you just need to say, Holy Spirit, would you just fill me again, fresh and new? I want to operate in your strength and not in my own. And the third response is maybe, have you lost touch with your neighbors? Have you lost sight of the mission? Do you need to get back on the mission for which God has designed you? Maybe you're just too isolated and you've just surrounded yourself with just people who think the way you do. And maybe God is calling you to literally get to know your neighbor next door or the people in the marketplace because he wants you back in the mission. He wants you back into the chaos so that the spirit of God can hover through you and God can speak through you to make a difference in the lives around you. I guarantee if you do that, it will invigorate you to get back on the mission in your personal life. I'd like to just pray for you as we close uh, this, this service. And, and I just trust that, God, that you just sense the spirit of God's hovering and God is speaking right now. Father, thankful that you never leave us. 
you never forsake us, that God, from the very beginning of creation, you had good purpose in your design for us to partner with you. Lord, that you, that, that you bring us into the midst of this chaos, but your spirit is, is there and that you speak and you give us the ability to not run from it, to not abandon it, but to be in it and to make a difference through it. So Lord, would you, for those who need to say yes to you, would you just show them that you are there, that you have purpose, that you have life for them and that your spirit, God, you wanna give the gift of your spirit, just like you did in Acts chapter two to those who said yes to you. Lord, for those who are tired today, those who are weary because they've just been in the battle a while, Lord, fill them fresh with your Holy Spirit. Give them your strength. Lord, I pray we would not operate in our own strength, but we would operate in the fullness of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, for those who maybe have extracted themselves from the mission, maybe they're just mad at what's happening in the world or in, in our community. Lord, I just pray that we would not isolate and we'd not abandon it, but Lord, that we would trust you to work through us in the midst of it. Lord, bless these people who are listening today. Bless Cove Church. Lord, help us make a difference in the community you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Cove Church. God bless. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at Cove Church PNW. We'll see you next time.